So if you've got a Bible with you, can you turn with me in, um, in Luke chapter 4, we're reading uh, 13 verses from verse 1 um, to verse 13. So, before I start um, this morning, I just want to thank the leaders of Recro Church. When we started this journey of uh, Luke series, uh, we are uh, in the series called um, Savior in the book of Luke. We're just taking a slow journey. Um, so, when we're taking this journey, we didn't know how it's, it's going to look like. But it was amazing just to see the powerful preachers and who came up front and just uh, shared the word of God with us. It was so amazing that so many things that was just hiding in those few passages. We are only in chapter 4 today, uh, surprisingly. But, um, but thank God that there's so much that he has taught me and he has taught us together. So the topic that I want to talk about today um, says resist the devil. Resist the devil. Um, first of all, just to uh, explain the topic that I'm talking from, I just want to quickly read, um, just hold on there in Luke chapter 4, I just want to quickly read in this, in this passage, in James chapter 4, verse 7. It says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Isn't that amazing? The way of resisting the devil it's to submitting ourselves to God. We resist the devil and he will flee from us. Uh, let's read together Luke chapter 4, verse 1 to 12 to 13. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan. And he was led by the Holy Spirit in the wilderness. For 40 days he was being tempted by devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And in a moment of time, and he said to him, To you, I will give all this authority and their glory. For it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on a high pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guide you. And on their hands, they will bear you up unless you strike your foot against the, a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Um, we know that uh, two weeks ago, Kanyiso was helping us just to see how Jesus got baptized and how he received the Holy Spirit 
and the voice of God that came from heaven confirming his identity as the Son of God. So, Anselo mentioned last week from his long passage of genealogy um, that Jesus began his ministry at the age of 33 years old. So, what we see here is that Jesus lived a life of obedience. Actually, all our lives as, as Christians, our life of sanctification is all about being obedient to the Holy Spirit. So, submit yourself to God. So, when we see here, look. It's telling us that immediately Jesus, after he got baptized, he was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by Satan. You know, in order for the sinless Christ to become fully man, it was necessary for Jesus to experience the temptations that is common to all men. As in Hebrews is telling us in Hebrews chapter um, 4, verse 15, so that we have a high priest that sympathizes with all our weaknesses. As he also been tempted in every way, just as we are, except that he never sinned. It is important for us to know that although God does not tempt anyone, but he allows those kinds of trials to come upon us in order to test, to strengthen us in our faith. Our trials are also helping us to reveal our hearts, to see whether our faith is genuine or not. You know, in the New Testament, when you brush stroke and just look what is there, you see there are two types of, um, the two types of temptation or two kinds of, of uh, trials or temptations that are mentioned there. The first one is the outward trials, and the second one is the in, inward temptation. So the outward trials are things like pain, troubles, that comes from outside of our lives that we must endure. But the inside temptations are the inner desires that leads us to sin that we must overcome. So in our message today, I want us to zoom in, especially on number two, the, in, the inner desires, the inward temptations that are our desires that we need to resist as uh, James 1, verse 13 and 14 was telling us. God never tempted anyone to sin, but it is Satan who tempts our lives, and he does that through our evil desires that we took from Adam and Eve, obviously. All of us as Christians, from the time... We give our life to Jesus. Sometimes we think everything will just go smooth. But I just want to tell you this, that from time to time, as Christians, including me as well, 
We experience various of temptations. That is our evil thoughts, our evil desires. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says to us, if we immediately throw them off and bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, we will not fall into sin. But if we allow those thoughts and evil desires to take roots and grow, it will quickly result into sin. They, this saying, in English they say, we can not stop birds from flying over our heads, but we can certainly stop them from building their nest on, in our hair. Because if, if there is this time that you see the bird flying, it's okay. It's just doing what is normal. But now if you feel like the bird is sitting on you now, is starting bringing the grass and building the nest, and you just stop and watch, something wrong with you. <laughs> so in verse 1, we see that Luke is telling us that Jesus himself had no evil desires. That is why he mentioned that he was full of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had to lead him into the desert to be tempted. Do you see the difference? Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit to the desert to be tempted. We are led by our own desires and evil thoughts. I want to tell you this. To only be tempted is not sin. Sin is to fall into that temptation. This passage is telling us that even Jesus himself was tempted. But the only thing that he did, he never fall into sin. Jesus was tempted immediately after his baptism. This is also an experience of many of us as Christians. As part of our sanctification, we think, okay, because I gave my life to Jesus, I got baptized in water, then everything is fine. You're just fooling yourself. You are still in the war. Because from the moment you escape from, devil, from devil's camp or under his authority, and you give your life to Jesus through faith and enter into God's family, the devil gets furious. And he attacks us and he tries to attack back under his authority. You know, one of the main ways we can resist the devil is by being fully assured of our identity. That is in John chapter 1 verse 12, it's talking about this. He gave us power to be called the children of God, those who, um, uh, who gave their life to Jesus. You know, we, we remember that in the previous chapter, God, the voice from heaven, has just spoken over Jesus and said, you are my son, whom I love with you, I'm well pleased. You know, the real temptation that we see in chapter 4, in all these um, three temptations that we're going to highlight on today, devil is repeating twice in three temptations. That if you are the son of God. Every Christian who determines to follow Jesus must be ready to face the similar 
temptation from Satan. The enemy will always question your identity. When you face up with trials, when you face up with temptations, he'll always want to raise this question. Do you think you're really a Christian? Do you think God loves you? How can he allow these situations to happen in your life? I don't know if you ever experienced that. The devil said to Jesus, if he, did, he never says, since you are the son of God. He says, since you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Why? Because the devils know that your real life comes from your identity. Because the main thing that devil wants, he wants you to have to doubt about your relationship with God, to have a low self-esteem, to feel defeated, to feel like you, you are nothing so that he can be able to crush you and he can do whatever he likes with your life. Who you think you are determines what decision you make, how you live your life. That is why in Matthew 7 verse uh, 16 says, you will know them by their fruits. The seed that, was, that is planted inside of you will always show outside. If your identity is not rooted in Christ, it will always show on the outside. It's something that you cannot fake. You can fake all other things, but the seed, you will never fake the seed because it will show by its fruits. That's why the enemy always try to, to attack. When we face temptation, let us remember our true identity in Christ Jesus, that we are the sons and daughters of the Most High God. And we need to understand that not only that we are the sons and daughters of the, of the Most High God, but we are the sons and daughters, who, the one who conquered the enemy and conquered sin and grave for you and for me. And he gave us strength so that we can be able to stand victorious as well. So the three the, the temptations that we see in this passage that we just read describe um, the, the three temptations that was there from the beginning in Genesis chapter 3 from verse 1 to 6. Uh, the enemy against Adam and Eve. And also when you look at the New Testament in 1 John chapter 2 verse 16, the three temptations that are mentioned in Luke correspond with those three temptations that are mentioned in Genesis, in, also in Luke chapter 4, verse 1, and James chapter, uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. For all that is, with the world, that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. So I've decided this morning just to break down our, our message for today so that we can get more understanding using 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. And just take one uh, of those words, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life 
just to explain Luke chapter 4, verse 1. First of all, we're going to start with number one, the desires of the flesh. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. It was like saying to him, prove it for me. Do a miracle. I want to see that you are the real son of God. You know, Jesus didn't have to prove anything because in the previous chapter, before Jesus had proven anything, after he was rising up from the water, the voice from heaven said to him, you are my son whom I'm well pleased, you know, and he didn't prove, need to prove anything to God, but now he needs to give a proof to devil. And Jesus we know that he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and the enemy wanted to use that opportunity. Say, Jesus, you are hungry, bro. You have not eaten for 40 days. Come on. Turn these stones into bread. You know, it is always um, the, our enemy's old strategy to capitalize in our weaknesses. So all of us who support soccer will know this. Whenever you see that there's in an opponent, there is a, a weak link somewhere, that is where you need to capitalize more to get your ball up front. So the enemy will always look. This time, the enemy used this opportunity that Jesus was hungry. And he said, I'm going to use that so that I can be able to get this guy. But what I know is that Jesus had all the power to change the stone into bread. Because he did that before. He turned water into wine, isn't it? So he can be able to change the, the, the stone into bread. But what was important here is that we need to be careful whose voice we're responding to. Satan was tempting Jesus to use his power for his comfort and convenience. But Jesus did not come to be saved, but he came to save. He came into the world to suffer and die for you and for me. He came to give us life. You know, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, those who were mocking him said to him, Save yourself, dude. Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. The, you know, the temptation to come down from the cross um, was essential, the same as the temptation to turn the stone, um, the, the stone into bread. It was the same thing that for Jesus was simple. It was simple <laughs> that you could do that. You know, we always watch the movies uh, even Samson, when they tied him up with chains and everything, and next morning he was just waking up and break those chains. If Samson can do that, Jesus, that was nothing. When he was hanging on the cross with those nails, he could just like pull his hand and those nails will, will fall off. But when all that was happening, Jesus did not want to fall under temptation from the voice of the enemy. But he always wants to be obedient to the Holy Spirit and submit his life to God. He always, when he prays, say, Lord, not my will, 
but let your will be done. Because our desires, our thoughts, our flesh desires will always lead us against the will of God. But when we feel those desires are happening in life, we need to ask ourselves, am I following the voice of God or the voice of the enemy? How did Jesus overcome Satan? Jesus overcame Satan by quoting God's word from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Maybe you're still wondering why the leadership of this church, they always emphasize and talk about the Bible reading plan every month, asking you to go join the Going Deeper group, join those discussions in your community group, read your Bible together. Why was that important? Friends, you cannot live a full spiritual life by just eating only bread. You need spiritual food, which is the word of God. But when we see here, Satan became a, pros uh, a prosperity preacher. He was a guy who was like, he, he knew, he's a kind of a preacher that knows your, um, your, your, your flesh desires. And then he will preach to that so that you will feel nice. You feel like, wow, this is the guy for me. He's coming with all the answers that I need, you know. He was like saying to, 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 to Jesus, you're hungry, bro. You deserve to eat. You've been hungry for very long. You deserve better. You deserve a comfortable life. You deserve a lot of money. You deserve lack of food, man. <laughs> you deserve pleasure. You deserve sex. You deserve better this and better that. Isn't the same thing that the devil is saying to us every day? Hallelujah. Because that's a voice from the enemy. You deserve better than this. You don't deserve to, to suffer. Why you suffer like this? You're so beautiful, man. Come on. <laughs> and then we always respond to those kind of voices. The enemy will say, whatever your flesh desires, just give it. It is your right. You have the power to do it. But I'm not saying all those things are bad. But I want to emphasize on this point again, that check that who is talking to you. Is it God or the enemy? If it's God, submit to him. But if it's the enemy, resist the devil. The point number two, the pride of the flesh. You know, when you talk about pride, when you're looking at the, this word, it's like this is like um, taking pride on your accomplishments, seeking a good name and a high position. It means putting confidence in oneself instead of God. So in verse 5 to verse 7 says, The devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you, must notice all the eyes, ne? To you I will give all the authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will be all yours. 
So Satan promised Christ all the authority over kingdoms and the glory of the world. But there's only one condition that uh, the Satan gave to, to Jesus. And he said, but Jesus, you had to worship me. You had to bow down to me and worship me instead of God. How many things we worship today? How many things in our lives that always promises the power and the glory? <laughs> I was, when I was preparing this, I was just thinking about uh, the, the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. And he's talking about uh, towards the end. Um, I said, for, for thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. And the devil says to Jesus, dude, I have this authority, the power, and the glory. And this is what we're chasing these days. Everyone wants power. Everyone wants the glory. So this is a temptation also that we, we see in Genesis chapter 3, verse 5 and, and verse 6, the desire to be like God, the desire to gain wisdom, it was promised to Adam and Eve. And they said, wow, we need that. Let's eat this because we want this authority. We want this power. You know, the key words in this temptation is this authority and glory. This is a temptation of pride this is a temptation that always promises us things that we end up chasing those things and worship those things. And end up when, while we're doing that, we're running further and further and further away from God. Some of us, we, we become workaholics. Some of us, we, we join the, 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 the ladders, what do we, pyramid schemes and things. We end up having no time of reading our Bible and of God because we want to make money. We want to be rich. The enemy is, is promising us that if you forget about God and just do this, focus on this, you're going to have this authority, this power, this glory, and everybody will look at you. You'll be a role model for everyone that you are a rich man in the world. You know, this COVID-19 pandemic exposed our idols and really showed us that we're not just responding to uh, the, the, the outside trials, but we're responding to the inward temptations. Many of us are even willing to compromise their worship of God in order to gain the things of this world. We all know that without any effort, without any suffering, Christ could have had all the wisdom and power and authority in the world. And all men in the world would have bowed to him, but yet Jesus rejected all that. I know that even we, when we talk about the experience, many of us battle with that, we're having ex that a kind of experience Every month, every month, on the 15th, the 25th, the first of the month, whatever, we battle with the same temptation. Because our money can promise us many things that we can get, we can achieve, we can, um, we can do this and that if we just don't give to God. If we, 
if you're thinking about the Titan offering and you look at your budget, it's like, no, what about HAP? What about this store and that store? What about this account? And then the money says, if you keep this money, the money will sort all the world for you. And then you forget about God. You give in to the temptation. But unfortunately, it's sad to say that many of us, we give in to that temptation and bow down to devil's lie and end up serving him. But we see that the second time Christ overcame Satan by quoting the word of God. This time is from Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 13. This verse refers to a time where the Jews made a golden calf to worship in place of God. When Moses was up in the mountain, they said, oh, we need God. Someone we can worship. Then they took out all their earrings and things. They made the calf. They were bowing down. They forgot about God. And we know that in Exodus 20, verse 3 and 6, telling us that we must worship God alone and nothing else. Because it, Jesus says, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. But there are so many things in our life that are really competing with God. That it always wants our attention. They always want our, our worship, our needs, so that we can bow down and worship those things instead of God. So every time when you do the introspection and you check, what is really priorities? What is your priority in your life? That is your God. If your family is, a, is taking the highest priority in your life, that is your God. That is what you worship. That is what you give in, you give the rest of your life for, you're living for, but we need to live only for Jesus. The last, po the last point is the desires of the eyes. In, in verse 9 to 12 says, then the Satan took Jesus to the highest point of the temple in, the, in Jerusalem and said to him, if you are the son of God again. <laughs> Throw yourself down here, from here. You know, we see that the Satan now is getting clever because he see that he tried for the first time, he tried for the second time. He said, now, because this guy is very good in the, in the Bible. Eh? He knows the word of God and now the Satan is coming and is quoting the word. Have you ever been proposed by a guy sometimes? And now when you see that he's running out of words, then he will go into the Bible and he's just trying to quote the words from the Bible. <laughs> and the Bible, the Bible says we must love one another. <laughs> so the enemy now became so clever. And now he was using the Bible. From Psalm 91 verse, verse 11 to 12, in order to persuade Jesus to jump, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guide you. On their hands, he will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. But unfortunately, Satan used the verse out of context. <laughs> because the background of this verse is found in verse 9 of uh, Psalm 91. He said, because we have made the Lord your dwelling place, the most high who is my refuge then those promises will come to you. 
Not because you're bowing down to Satan, then you think God will just use that. And sometimes we always want to do that, misquoting the verse and use it out of context so that it can, it can serve us, favor us in the things that we're trying to do. So you will never do that. Trying to quote the word of God out of context to serve your will. But the main thing God wants us is everything that is happening to serve his will, his purposes, his glory for, for our lives. The third temptation was a temptation for Jesus to show that he was the son of God by taking a risk and put God into test. So, I know that uh, many of us and many other people have done that before. Um, I'm not going to mention who today because Jesus failed to do this. Let me do it. And, but you'll never be successful. How many of us these days would take those kind of foolish risks so that we can just gain praise from everyone? Doing unhelpful things to gain a lot of likes from Facebook and Instagram just for the eyes of the world to see. The things that God never even asked for. And one day when Jesus comes in Matthew 25, he will say, I did not know you. <laughs> like, I've done this, I've done this in your name. No, you were doing it for the eye attention. You wanted to, everybody to know that you are the best man in the world. This was a temptation for Jesus' mind that corresponds to the last of the eyes, the forbidden apple that's eaten by Adam and Eve that was pleasing to their eyes. And even in these days, there are so many people who are making miracles and trying even to risk other people's lives by feeding them snakes and petrols and, and things so that people they can see the miracles and think, oh, this is the main guy. But Jesus is answering Satan again and he said, he answered Satan and said, you shall not put the Lord your God to test. Jesus was not sent into this world to be earthly king, to receive honor from men, as Isaiah 53 verse 3 says, but he was a humble servant sent into the world to suffer and die for your sins and for my sins. And in all these temptations that Jesus went through, he demonstrated for us how the word of God can be a weapon to overcome Satan and to resist the temptation in our lives. The word of God is the, word, uh, is the sword of our spirit. It is part of our armor of, of the followers of Jesus. Friends, devil has no new strategies because the old one still works, as Garrett Noble says. If you want to overcome Satan, you must read the Bible. You must study the Bible. You must meditate on God's words. You must memorize the Bible. 
because it's so easy for the enemy to come and deceive you and, and loot you with so many weak words that are not true because you're not grounded. You don't know the word of God. You don't know the, the God's will for your life. You should be saturated with, with the word of God in such a way that when life cuts you, you bleed God's words. And again, in James 4, verse 7 says, Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You know what we see, like in verse 13, that when the devil has ended every temptation, he departed from him until the opportune time. You know, sometimes when you are coming up front and just be prayed for, you're facing something, a mountain in your life, or maybe an attack, sometimes we get to relax and think, oh, now it's over. There are so many people who used to join us here for prayer meetings because they were facing high things, big things in their lives, and then we pray for them, they, their problem was sorted, then they, they left. They forget that we, our life that we live in in this world, we are in the war. And our war will never end. Our war with the enemy will never be over until God says it's over. That's why you know, if you like, you can go and read Ephesians chapter 6 from verse 10. It will tell you that we need to always be ready to always stand firm to fight. We know that Satan tempted Christ again and again, even in the Garden of Gethsemane, up until on his cross. That's why in verse 8, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 to 11 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a rolling lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, stand firm in your faith knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Whatever you're going through, God has a purpose. He wants to glorify himself. He wants to restore you. He wants to confirm you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to establish you. It's not time to give in to the enemy. It's time to allow God to mold you and shape you so that you can come out as gold. In conclusion... One of the main ways we, we can resist the devil is by fully assured of our identity in Christ Jesus. So that's why the Bible is encouraging us when we come to the table of the Lord because the table of the Lord is reminding us of who we are that we are the sons and daughters of the Most High God. And it's reminding us that Jesus was victorious over temptation 
He was victorious over sin and death. So he is giving us that strength and power to be victorious also. Whatever controls your, your life, whatever controls, controls your heart, it controls your identity. So what is reminding us today is that we allow the work that Jesus has done on the cross to control our hearts so that he can control all our identity. Once you allow Christ to be center of your life, then you have identified that your identity in Jesus that cannot be shaken by the enemy.